This Christmas season, we're taking the next four weeks to focus on Advent. This season centers around the celebration of Jesus, his arrival on the earth at his birth, and his arrival in our lives today. Join us as we examine joy, hope, faith, and peace, and how the source of these only come through Jesus Christ. Today we are finishing up a series we've been doing now. This is the fourth week. Started on Thanksgiving weekend, and it's a series about Advent. And we've, we've said all along, for some of us, this is a tradition. We grew up doing this, or the churches that we've gone to have done this every year. Uh, on the other hand, some of us are new to church, or you've never been to a church that did Advent. Grace Life, in our 16-year history, we've never done Advent. This is our first time doing it. What Advent is all about is taking the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas and helping prepare our hearts and minds for Jesus coming and understanding what all should actually change. You know, we talk about Christmas and movies talk about Christmas being about uh, maybe just giving gifts and love and family and all those kinds of things. And all those are great, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the birth of our Savior. And some would say, well, okay, I get it. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, so I'm good. But there's actually still more to that. Jesus changes every single day of our lives, not just our future in heaven. Amen, you guys with me on that one? So what Advent does is it takes the themes of what Jesus makes real to us, and we focus on those for these four weeks. So when, when we get to the day and we say, praise God, thank you that Jesus came to the earth, then we, we understand more than just we're going to heaven someday. And so one of the traditions of Advent is to light a candle each week with the theme uh, that we've been talking about. And so we began the whole series with the theme of peace. And Eric did a great job uh, helping us understand that peace is an internal calmness, something inside of you despite your external circumstances, no matter what's going around you. In other words, the, the way that you can approach life and the ability to stand tall, even though everything around you is, is kind of chaotic and going insane, is because of who Jesus is and what God has done in your life, not what is happening around you. And so he gave us this definition, and I went to him Monday after that and said, I'm gonna take your definition and steal it, man. We're gonna use it for the whole series because it really is so good. And so we've been changing one word each week, and so the second part of our series was about joy. And joy is an internal happiness despite our external circumstances. And when we talk about happiness, we're not talking about like the song, don't worry, be happy. We're not talking about how you feel about going to work tomorrow. We're talking about a satisfaction and contentment about life that is greater than anything you're going through. It is a, a, a disposition that God has given you deep inside. And then for part three, we talked about hope. And we learned that hope is an internal confidence despite our external circumstances. It's a confidence God gives us that we can put our hope and trust in who he is and what he's going to do. And our hope does not come from our war horses and wishes. That's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? If you missed it, I'm not gonna answer. I'm just gonna leave you hanging. You're gonna have to go back and check it out online. War horses and wishes is not where our hope comes from, but we discovered that that's what we too often build our lives upon. And that's why a lot of us would look sometimes and say things just feel hopeless. So if you miss that or you ever say, man, I do kind of feel that way, I wanna encourage you to go back and get uh, that one online. Today, we're closing out our series. Our fourth Advent theme is faith. And faith is an internal conviction despite our external circumstances. It's a conviction that is deep within us no matter what is happening around us. 
And there's one thing that I know to be true for every single person here today, or even those of you online that are watching this message. And that is that every single one of us at some point, we feel like we don't have enough faith. We've either been there, we might be there, or you might be there sometime in the future. Maybe today's message will help. That's the goal. And the reason for that is because we know things like our prayers are answered because of faith. Uh, We're supposed to be healed by faith. We know that Jesus said, faith as small as a tiny little mustard seed. You can move mountains with that kind of faith. And yet every single one of us, we know we haven't moved mountains. There were times we were still sick and then prayers that weren't answered. The truth is, faith is really one of the most difficult subjects for us to talk about. And I bet if you had a coworker that says, hey, can we get coffee? You know, I've got a lot of questions. I've been thinking about coming to church and, and uh, I'm just curious about faith. A lot of us go, no, can we talk about something else? I've got good answers on other things, but faith sometimes leaves us where we've got more questions than answers. And then people come to you in a tough time and they say something stupid. Y'all know how Christians sometimes say things you don't wanna hear? I call them Christianese. And so one of my top five most hated Christianese sayings, when you're going through something really hard and you're not really sure how it's gonna turn out and somebody looks at you and says, well, just have faith. (laughs) Brother, sister, if they've gone to church a long time, well, just have faith, brother. And you're thinking that's the last thing I wanna hear right now. Matter of fact, that's the whole problem. I don't think I have enough faith. That's why I'm struggling. And I'm trying to talk to God about it, but I don't really feel like I'm getting the answers I want, so I don't know if it's my problem or if I don't have enough faith. And you tell me, just have faith. I'll tell you what, I got faith in. You about to get slapped. (laughs) Don't need to be hearing that right now. I got my own issues, right? So look, here's what we know. There are entire libraries, or at least there could be. There could be entire libraries filled with books just on the topic of faith. We could do a very long series looking at everything the Bible has to say about faith. Clearly, we can't do that. So what can we do in our 30-something minutes we have here together today? We're going to just try to answer one simple little question, and that is, why is faith an Advent word, a Christmas card word? What does Jesus being born about 2,000 years ago have to do with our faith? And so that's our goal today. We're gonna keep it pretty narrow, and we're not gonna talk about everything that the Bible has to say about faith. But first, we need to begin by understanding a couple of things about faith. Like, what is faith? And many of us would say, well, Jimmy, if you look it up in a dictionary, I mean, faith is what you believe. Believe and faith, they kind of go together as, as synonyms. And and that's true, but once again, uh, you've heard me say this many times because it's always true, that what we learn about a word in English is often close but insufficient to what it means in Scripture. There's, There's always a little bit more as we try to understand what God wants us to get from this word. And so that's why a minute ago when I told you and I lit the fourth candle, I said faith is an internal conviction despite our external circumstances. It's more than just a belief. It's what we do because of a belief. Matter of fact, I'm gonna say it this way. A conviction is a firm position because of what you believe. It's a firm position you take towards life because you actually believe something. Maybe you could think of it this way. It's a belief on steroids. It's like, what do you do if that is what you believe? Let me try to give it to you in a very practical way. Okay, I believe that airplane travel is safe. I believe that because I've gotten on a lot of airplanes and gotten back off of a lot of airplanes, you know? I also believe airplane travel is safe because that's what all the studies show if you go and do some research. 
I also believe airplane travel is the quickest way to go a long distance because I have gone to LA in four hours on an airplane and I could never do that in a car. Now, I'm a fast, bad, crazy driver, but I still could not get there in a car in four hours. So I believe that airplane travel is the fastest and safe way to go long distances, right? So what do I do with that belief? I buy plane tickets when I need to go somewhere without thinking about it. See, that's the key. I don't question it. I'm getting ready to go to Africa in a few weeks and in the next year, and, and I've already bought the plane tickets for that. And as I went to buy the plane tickets, I did not pause and go, hmm, should I take a boat? It'll get me there. No, I didn't even think twice about a boat. I didn't, it's because I have a conviction when I'm going somewhere far and fast, I'm gonna take an airplane, right? And so what we discover is a conviction is more than just what we believe. It is how we approach life with a non-negotiable position. Does that make sense to everybody? So let me show you something. I wanna show you an interaction Jesus had with somebody who had a conviction with, about him because of something they believed to be true about him. It's in Matthew chapter eight. We're gonna start at verse five if you're following along, but it'll also be on the screens right here. And uh, it says, when he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion, now this is a Roman soldier, he came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant, is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. I've always just, just been, it just gets my attention, that, that one little part. Jesus didn't, he offers to come and this, the centurion didn't even ask him to do anything. He never even said, hey, can, can I, uh, would you come and heal my servant? He, he just tells Jesus the problem and Jesus immediately is like, I'm coming to take care of it. Just shows you the goodness of our God. And, and so, he said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion's answer was, whoa, 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 Lord. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For see, I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, wow, wow. I think that's the modern translation of truly. Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. With no one in Israel have I found such a conviction that seeks me out responding to me because they know things that they believe to me to be true about me. And the centurion, to the centurion, Jesus said, go and let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You see, there was a conviction a faith response that the centurion had. In other words, because he believed something about Jesus to be true, he had a response, and that's what his faith was. His faith was, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just tell him, Jesus is gonna heal him, and I don't have a doubt about that, period. It's done. I just need to get to Jesus. That is his conviction. That is his faith, and that comes out of a belief. What did he believe? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us how he believed it or why. We can assume the logical is as a Roman soldier there in that region, Jesus had showed up on the radar as a guy not everybody liked. And they were told to keep a watch on him. He was causing some stir and taking peace away from the kingdom. People thought another king was coming. And so people were hearing about Jesus. People were told to keep an eye out for Jesus. And so maybe the centurion had either heard, this guy, he walks on water. This guy, he raises the dead. Or maybe even better, the centurion actually watched one of those things happen. 
Maybe the centurion was there when a lame man was healed because Jesus told him to get, take his mat and get up and walk. So whether he heard the stories or watched them, here's what we know. The centurion believed that Jesus had the authority to heal and, and that's all that needed to be done. Jesus could do what he wanted because he had figured out, as we say here in the South, this guy ain't round, from around here. If he can walk on water and raise the dead and make a lame person walk, that's not normal. That's not what we do. Somebody has got to be above the natural realm. This guy is special. Maybe what they're saying about him is actually true. And so the centurion believed that Jesus had authority over sickness and over death and over the natural realm. And he could have said, that's what I believe. Oh, my servant, sorry for you. You're just going to lay there paralyzed. Even though I believe Jesus could heal. See, it's not just a belief, it's what you do with a belief. So because he believed that about Jesus, he sought out Jesus out of a faith conviction. Are y'all following this? Now look, at some point, some of you could be saying, Jimmy, I think you're trying really, really hard to play on words because a conviction is just a belief. Okay, maybe. But, but listen, you have things that you could believe that you don't do anything with. You could believe that a political candidate is better than the other one and still not go vote. We have beliefs that don't cause us to do anything. And we have beliefs that we change sometimes, especially like right after the Clemson Carolina game. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. You see, a belief is not always enough. Conviction is what you do with what you believe. It actually leads you to do something with your life. So just so that we can help understand faith, because what I'm trying to do today is take one of the most difficult topics for us as Christians and make it actually practical enough for you to grasp. And so I think if we can, if we can say that, if you want to say it's wordplay, can I just ask you all to wordplay with us together for a little bit? Can we do that? So that you can understand the difference between what I believe and what I do with what I believe. Okay, you guys with me? Because that's, that's the way that we're gonna finish out this message. Faith is more than what you believe. Faith is what you do because of what you believe. And that's what changed with Jesus. So look, I, I wouldn't be very helpful to you if I didn't take some time and point out what faith is not because people have a lot of misunderstandings. A lot of people have maybe even heard someone preach and, and, and maybe even confused you a little bit or, or even talked outside of church with God not even in the context and they use the word faith. And so you might say something, man, I really hope I get that job I applied for. And your friend says, well, did you, did you do good in the interview? Yeah, man, I crushed the interview. Well, just have faith you're gonna get it, man. The problem is there's, there's no promise anywhere in there. There's, there's no God involved in that. But we just use the word faith in an outcome that has no basis in anything other than what you want, what you want to believe. I believe I crushed the interview. I believe I'm gonna get the job. And then that damages our actual faith in God. Right? You, you can't just believe anything you want to believe and then think that's, I, I, like I told you I like airplane travel, right? Well, I could be sitting in that airplane and we could be flying across the ocean and at that moment I could say, I believe I can fly. And I could get up and jump out of the airplane, open that door and go, I believe I can fly all the way down. And I'm going to tell you something. I won't have enough faith to help me when I hit the ground. Because it's not about what you just believe. And maybe you've heard people preach about, you need great faith, man. You need to believe strongly. And it's like, you can believe as much as you want to believe. And that is for Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. It's not for God. Like, if you want to talk about what you can believe, you can only believe what God has said he will do and who he says he is. See, for faith to have substance, it's got to be based in truth, not whatever you decide to make up as you jump out of an airplane. It's not going to be good enough for you. Our faith comes from who God has said he is. 
and what he has said he will do. Faith has to have some kind of substance. And so I hear people all the time, they abuse the idea of faith or they confuse the idea of faith. I hear Christians say things like, I'm believing God's gonna bless me. I'm praying and I'm believing God's gonna bless me with a Lamborghini. Really? Good luck with that. That's my response. Because look, if you were to look at me as a Christian and say, I've been praying and I honor God with my finances and I believe he's gonna bless me, I would say amen because he's already said he would. He said, if you honor me with the first part of what I take care of you, then I'm gonna give more back to you. If, you. if you put me in your finances, I'm gonna put more finances into you. If you are generous with your finances, I'm gonna give you more to be more generous with. It's in here. So if you said, I have faith, God's gonna bless me because I'm honoring him, I'd say amen, I'm with you. See, a blessing is truth. A Lamborghini is a want and a wish. And, and, and that's where we, we get into some trouble. But can I just pause and, and give everybody some good news real fast? Just a reminder. Do you know how good our God is to us? Do you know how many wants our God actually does give us? We are really blessed by God. So many of our wants. Just think about your own life right now. And if you were to boil your life down to the bare minimum needs of existence, like, I'm not even sure how often we have to actually eat, but I know we fast for 21 days sometimes, so I could guess if you had one meal every three weeks, you could somehow survive, right? I think if you got a little bit of water every three days, you can survive. I mean, I don't know, somebody can send me an email about the science later, but I'm, it's something like that, right? You know, and you only need one change of clothes. Essentially, your pajamas. You can watch a whole worship service in, in, in a week. Like, you, you don't need all that we have. I mean, but look at our lives. God has given us so many things we want. We do have luxury cars. We do have a nice life. The problem is because God spoils us, sometimes we become spoiled children. Y'all didn't like that, some of y'all. I got a couple of, mmm, that hurt, Pastor. <laughs> that kind of thing out there. But here's the problem. Because we are potentially able to become a spoiled child, when God doesn't give us one of those wants, then we have a tendency to walk away from our faith and say God wasn't good. I just wanna encourage you, don't let that happen. Don't let a God who is usually so over the top in blessing you that when you don't get a want that he's never promised you he's gonna do anyway, make you question your faith. You guys with me? All right, so there you go. That's what faith is for at least today's purpose. And that's what faith is not. Faith is what we do because of what we believe. And specifically, it is what we do towards God because of what we believe to be true about him. So I wanna show you back to our question, what does this have to do with the birth of Jesus? Why are we talking about faith as an Advent word? Well, because Jesus came to make faith very real despite what we're seeing. And it began with the fact that he gave us faith to be saved. You see, first of all, we need faith to be saved. We need to be saved, right? And it's a work of faith. It's not something we do for ourselves. We need faith to be saved. That's why the angels came to the shepherds and here's what they said about 2,000 years ago. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Well, why is that? Well, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the one you've been waiting on. The Messiah, they've waited centuries and you're alive to see it. People spent their whole lives dreaming for the Messiah and you're here to see it. The Messiah, the promised Messiah is here. And that is why you can know that God is good because God is faithful to what he said he would do. He has been telling you over and over, I will save my people, I'll save my people, I'm gonna send the Messiah. And he is born today. God is faithful. 
And if we believe that that's who Jesus is, then we can believe this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, belief does matter because your conviction comes out of what you believe. So if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that God sent him to die on the cross for your sins, if you believe that he lived a perfect life and so when his blood was shed, it paid for your sins and not his own, if you believe he was raised from the dead, then you believe that you can be forgiven and you believe that you can have eternal life. It's what we call being saved. Now you can believe that you are saved. You with me? Now I think though that all of those beliefs need to lead to a faith response. And that faith response, that conviction is because I believe that I'm forgiven. I believe that I'm going to heaven and I believe that Jesus did that for me that tomorrow when you wake up or tonight when you're ready to go to bed and the devil tells you how much you you need to be ashamed of yourself and, and that thing that you did and whatever and shame starts to overcome you, your faith response, your conviction is, no, you ain't getting me, man. I am saved. I know I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. Your, your faith response is to tell shame and guilt to go away. You see, there's another faith response. There's another conviction. A lot of us want to stop at what we believe. Well, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe I'm going to heaven. Yay. But what about all the days between now and heaven? Right? And so what we need, I think, is to take that belief in Jesus, belief that I'm saved, and actually turn that into a faith response that says, because he died for me, I choose to live for him. Anybody who's been around Grace Life any period of time knows we always end with an opportunity for people to make Jesus their king. And you'll notice that I've always used those words. I try to sneak it in on you from the very beginning. I don't, I don't like to just let you say, thank you, I'm going to heaven, amen, see you soon. That's not how I lead people to Jesus. The way I lead people to Jesus is you died for me, I choose to make you my king. I choose to live differently. It's no longer about me. See, if you're gonna believe that Jesus gave up his life for you, right? then that becomes an example. It becomes a faith response for us to then give up our lives for him and what he's doing. He was the one that modeled for us. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. He's the one that said, not what I will, but what you sent me to do. And so our faith response is not just to believe in him, not just to believe that he came, not just to believe that he is alive and not just to believe we're going to heaven, but to do something because of that belief. And what we do is say, okay, Jesus, It's no longer I who live. Galatians 2.20, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. I have been crucified with Christ, but you're still alive. Yeah, I'm alive, but I'm not. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me because he died for me. So whatever is living, it is all him living in me. And the life I live, I now live by faith. Y'all see, I live by faith. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, a lot of people think that phrase, I live by faith, is just one of those, I get up every day and believe Jesus died for me. I'm going to heaven. That's what that means. No, yes, but only part. What it really means is I live by faith. I get up every day and say, okay, God, it's not me anymore. What do you want from me today? It's every time that I look at this and he goes, ooh, I don't like that. Oh, well, I guess I've got to change because it's God. It's what he said. You guys with me on this? And so look, here's the thing. That is what we call saving Faith. And if you plan on going to heaven tomorrow, that's all you need. Is there anybody in here that would like to live a little bit longer? Anybody with me? Okay, I've had this problem three services in a row. I'm a little concerned for some of you guys. (laughs) Just in case you're wondering, we have a prayer team by the stage. 
At the end of the services, we have a pastoral team that would love to talk with you. For those of you who did not raise your hand, I'm gonna hope you just were not paying attention when I asked how many of you would like to live a little bit longer. But for those of you that do wanna live a little bit longer, you need more than saving faith. You need something that helps you every day until you get to heaven, right? And some of you are honestly kind of bored up until this moment. You're like, this man is preaching to me about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Don't he know that's an Easter message and I've already heard it. I'm a Christian, like, wasting my time. Well, then let's look at the rest of this because the second thing we need is we need faith to relate to God. How do you approach God? What do you believe God for? What do you trust God for? See, here's what Hebrews says. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's just stop and reflect on those words for a minute. Without faith, without a conviction that leads us to respond to him based on what we believe about him, without that kind of faith, it's impossible. Try your best, you can't do it. It's impossible to please God. Why is that? Because anyone who comes to him must believe. Starts with that. You gotta believe he exists because it can't be proven. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but that's what we learn in theology class. The first sentence of theology class is there are two things we cannot prove that we have to take in faith. One of them is that God exists. You have to, there, there, there is, you can't prove it to anyone. Otherwise, we could just travel the world proving it and everybody would be a believer. There is a faith piece to it. You have to believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that first reward of seeking him is simply the relationship with him. And that is knowing who he is and what he's done. And so we seek him, we pray to him, we worship him, we talk to him, we read his word. We, we do that because we believe. The question is, what faith response does that lead us to? If our faith response comes out of what we believe, I just wanna pause and ask everybody to ask yourself a question. What do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe there is a God? Great. Then what do you do with that? You believe there's a God and you don't really think too much about it, you're not worried about it, you just hope you'll be a nice God or she'll be a nice God or whenever you meet them or you maybe hope you'll never have to meet them. I don't know, maybe you think you'll just get your own little cloud when you die and float around and you can just, I don't know what you think. What do you, if you believe there is a God, what then? Do you seek out every religion of the world trying to figure out which one fits best for you? So I'd ask, if you believe there's a God, what do you do with that? You may say, well, I believe that the God of the Bible, as he has revealed himself, is that God. The God of the universe is this God in here, as he has described himself and told himself to be to us. And I would say, well, okay then, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Does it change how you live your life if this is the God that you believe actually exists? Can I tell you something? In here, it says that the demons believe that there is a God and it's the one who's described in here and they shudder. So the demons believe and have a response. Here's the question, if you believe, what is your response? Is there something in here you say, well, I don't know about that, I'm not sure about that, but do we make a change? You see, God actually tells us what our response should be. If you believe there is a God and it's the God of the Bible, then he tells us what to do. And that is to trust him and obey him. Bad word, isn't it? Obey him. We don't like that part. What? We got to do what he says. Yeah, what it means is that if there's something in here that is different, we're the ones that move because this is who God is. And if we believe that there is that God, we are the ones that have to obey him and trust him. He is the one that wants good for us. Matter of fact, we were singing earlier about God's faithfulness. And you are, great is your faithfulness to me. And I don't know if y'all 
y'all kind of got caught today because you sang that song louder than anything else. There were more hands lifted than anything else. I mean, the guys on stage, they even started like jumping and dancing a little bit. Like they believe those words to be true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like we were all into this, God, your faithfulness to me is great. And that is the point. Because God has always been faithful, we can put faith in him. We can obey what he says because the rewards of doing life the way he wants has been good. We can trust him because he has always proven his promises to be true. That's kind of the whole point. You know what the Bible says? If you guys are faithless, I'll still be faithful because I can't deny myself. I've got to be who I am and who I am is true. I am always going to be who I said I will be because God's faithfulness is great and we are all celebrating a minute ago. We're gonna do it before we leave again. We're gonna have a little bit longer response today. I've asked the worship team to do that entire song again. And I want you to actually think about those words as you sing them. God's faithfulness is great. Therefore, we can have faith. Not just what we believe, but we can do something with what we believe. And that leads us to the last point. We need faith to live each day. We can't do it without responding to God, to believe there is a God, to believe that the God of the Bible is the God, but to do nothing with that's a problem. So what do we do to have faith to live each day? The Bible says it this way, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We take every step of our lives by an internal conviction, despite what we see. That's exactly what that verse just said. We walk by faith, not by sight. What that means is that many, many times, the definition for the whole series is coming to pass. We do something because of what's inside of us, not because of what's happening around us. So we, we walk by faith. We take a step even when we can't see where our foot is going to land because we have a conviction that is inside of us despite our external circumstances. There are days you get up and you simply take a step. And if you didn't take another step, and many times you don't know how those steps are gonna turn out. As a pastor, I've been with people at a hospital going into a surgery where the doctor has said, don't know if you're going to wake up. That's walking by faith, not by sight. That's a conviction in you that says, my God is good. Whatever the outcome, I trust my God. I close my eyes. And I submit to this process knowing that my God is sovereign over all of it. I walk by faith. I have no idea where this foot's going to land. I don't know if its next step is in heaven or in the same hospital when I get out of this bed. I don't know. I walk by faith, not by sight. You see, we all have those moments. I'll tell you for us, a big one. Sometimes God tells you, Here's what I want you to do. And you look at your life and you say, but, but God, I, I don't know how. See, walking by faith and not by sight, that internal conviction is that we do what God tells us even when we're not sure how it's gonna work out. And about 17 years ago, we felt God telling us to join with three other families, Fanchers were one of them, to start Grace Life Church. None of us lived in this state. We all had jobs and homes somewhere else. And we all quit our jobs and sold our homes and packed trucks and started driving and came here. And I'm gonna say what, you wanna talk about walking by faith and not by sight, not knowing where that foot's gonna land is when you don't have a job and you don't have a house and you don't know if anybody's ever gonna show up. And the good news, you can look around and see what God has done. 
And it, here's what happens though, is it gives you the courage after you did walk by faith and you took that step and it landed and you say, you know what? I think I can take another one. And see, I get up and do what I do every day, not because of who is here right now. Don't be offended. I do love you. But I take this step because of what God has told me he's going to do in the future. Because of what God told me, grace life is going to mean to this city and to this world if we continue. It is. We're not done. This is not. No, no, no. I can see this. I can see who we are. I can see what we're accomplishing. And you do that even though that step may not be a good one. Our first steps were hard. We didn't get a job immediately. We lost all of our savings. And yet we just said, okay, well, that foot's a little underwater. Better keep walking. Don't want to stay there. And then you step into some mud and you sink a little bit. Y'all ever taken faith steps like I'm talking about? And you're like, God, I thought you told me to do this. I, I, I don't know what to do. It feels like quicksand. I better, you know what you better do? Keep taking another step because God is faithful. And part of the process is trusting him, which leads to some good news I'm going to close with everybody. First John says, for everyone who has been born of God, will they overcome the world? How? Well, this is the victory that's overcome the world. What is our victory that's overcome the world? Everybody say it with me. Our faith. Let me make this as practical as I can. When it's talking about the world, it's talking about the experiences in this broken world that we have. It's talking about the temptations of sin, the frustrations when things are going bad, circumstances that aren't working. It's also talking about the ruler of this world, as scripture calls him, Satan, and his plan to destroy your faith. But we can overcome all of that through our faith. See, when your circumstances around you are well, let's just say, not good. Will your faith overcome living through not good? Or will going through not good destroy your faith? See, the whole question is, does our faith overcome the world? Or does your experience in this world overcome your faith? I wish I could tell you it is easy, but my experience as a pastor is I've watched a lot of people lose their faith because of something that was happening to them in this world. Their circumstances were stronger than their conviction that God will get me through this, that God's plan is good. Last week as we were closing out the message on hope, some of you know our story. I gave you a little piece of our story of a pregnancy we were going through and we were struggling to have hope because the doctors had told us there was no prognosis that this child would live. And the doctors were right about that pregnancy. Today, I want to give you a follow-up to that story. Again, some of you already know this, but our next pregnancy, now at six years of barrenness, our next pregnancy, we also got the prognosis that this child cannot live either. But I tell you this story in the context of faith. Because as my wife and I came home from the doctor's office and distraught and just really struggling with I went outside and I walked in my, my driveway. I can still visualize this event to this day and I think I will to the day I die. Because we believed God had put some things in us 
When I talk about what God has said, this is black and white what God has said. But you know, God still speaks to his children today. There are things that God has said to you that he's, he's put in your spirit and you just can't get away from. And when I was a kid, the only thing I wanted was to, to have a, a, a large Christian family. That was it. I wanted my, my children and us, I wanted us to worship God, to know God, but I wanted a big family that was like, if you ever came over, it was like chaos in the house. That, and I'm gonna tell you, I got half of the dream for sure. The truth is, I got, I got the whole dream, but we had friends over last night and uh, it was just friends, so we didn't even try to, and they, they watched our kids at the dinner table. I said, y'all, I'm just sorry, it's who we are. And it was, it was fun. But my point to that was, as we were going through this, it was in my spirit, God was gonna fill my house with children. And we were gonna worship and serve God together. It's what I knew God was gonna do since I was a kid. And, and we'd even had people who came up to us, friends of ours over the years, would come up and, and say, I was praying for you and God showed me your house filled with children. You're gonna have a large family. And this would happen more than once. We had one friend who even came to us and said, I was praying for you and God showed me you're gonna have a house filled with children and, and it's gonna be like Saturday morning cartoons. And I grew up doing Saturday morning cartoons. Anybody old enough, you know what I'm talking about. Like Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny running around the house, everything breaking. Yep, there you go, got that too. But here we are, second pregnancy, barrenness. But I stood in my driveway. I wasn't sure if I needed to talk to God or rebuke the devil but I was still in theology class and that's another series. I'll come back another day. But I did stand in my driveway and out loud say, you can take this child too. But I will still declare my God to be good and faithful and someday he will fill this house. I don't know if this is the child, but someday he will do what he has said he will do. And those of you that know our family, that was our miracle baby. He's now six foot two and Apparently those prayers did more than genetics. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and our house is filled with chaos. You see, when you are going through something that is really, really hard, maybe it's a marriage that is falling apart and maybe it's a marriage that fell apart. Maybe it's an adult child that has wandered. Maybe it's something in your own soul. We've been talking a lot about the crisis of mental health throughout this series. Maybe you feel like anxiety is stronger than anything in your life. Maybe depression is overwhelming for you. What do you believe about God? What is your internal conviction about God that is going to carry you to take another step no matter what you see happening around you? Because there's only two ways this plays out. Life in this world hurts. It's a broken world. Either our faith, what we know to be true, despite what we see, either our faith overcomes the world when the world is hard, or the world overcomes our faith. My prayer for all of us is our faith overcomes the world. Can I pray for us? God, that is our prayer. We come to you today. We acknowledge we live in a very hard world. It is broken. It is sinful. We cry out for your return. God, you know how messed up it is. You came, you lived here. You know what it is like. And that's why you've promised you will return. You will make perfect everything. New heavens, new earth. God, we know that day is coming. We ask you, God, to help us this day. 
and every day until then. We ask you to help us as we get out of bed tomorrow and the next day and the next day. As we face sickness, as we face broken relationships, as we face job disappointments, as we face financial struggles, God, as we have a hard time in this world, will you help us to have faith in you that overcomes no matter what we're seeing? And we do all of that because of our faith of Jesus 2,000 years ago. You solved problems we didn't know we had. You sent your son to be our savior. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I wanna to speak to those of you that have yet to respond to that saving faith. Those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king and to declare him good. You may actually have gone to church many times and believed, I, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died. I'm just not ready to deal with that. Well, I, I hope today that you'll take what you believe and turn it into faith. And you'll do something with what you believe. And that is to, to know that you're forgiven, to know that you have eternal life. It's your faith response. If you wanna do that right now, I wanna help you wherever you are, simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, will you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people.